welcome to another edition of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff Paulson. With me, as always, my other co-host, Mark A. Johnson. Good evening to you, sir. It is. It is a good evening, and I'm excited to uh, to chat about our subjects today. Some fun stuff. Yeah, we've got a whole bunch of things to talk about. I've got a ton of stuff, uh, both on my subject as well as just our, our other random stuff. But I did want to give you an out just in case you were tired of talking about baseball history. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought we could maybe have a thoughtful debate on uh, whether baseball players should stop wearing belts and instead switch to suspenders. Oh, man. I've never heard that suggestion. That's brilliant. Um, I just don't think we have enough uh, material to fill up the whole show with that. I I mean, baseball's trying to skew towards the younger fans. I think nothing Mm -hmm. says that like suspenders. All right. I will agree to that. If everybody's wearing the Mork and Mindy Robin Williams. I was going to say, you've got all these options. You've got the Mork and Mindy. You've got the Carpenter tape measure suspenders. Oh, sure. Uh, You've got the uh, musician like piano key suspenders. Uh, You could do baseball bats. I mean, I think this is a legitimate or or how about instead of suspenders, they have to wear like big belt buckles, like with yes, with big jewels on it and designs. And I tell you what it would do too. It would give all these uh, memorabilia peddlers, tops and panini and the like, more things to give away, more things to cut into pieces and give away. I think it would slow down some of the speedier guys. That's true. Too. It would make stealing if you if you're sliding headfirst a lot harder. Yeah, because it'd be like a like driving a tractor. Or something. Yeah, but yeah. I'm full of these good ideas. If MLB ever wants to just reach out to me directly to talk about these, you know how to get a hold of me. Yeah, you. They know. They <laughs> know. I'm sure we're really high on their radar. Yeah, They're I'm constantly sure. checking our podcast. All right, so let's get to business first. You know, we. You know, when I get in that somber tone, uh, that it means we're we're headed to kangaroo court. Hit me. And I think I'm going to have to find us both on this one. So last week during Wax Pack Heroes, we pulled a Juan Nieves card. And I remember I specifically said, I remember Juan Nieves was a was a pitcher and a baseball player. And, and that was all we said about him. <laughs> he did throw the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewers history in well, 1987. And yeah, that's worth mentioning. As soon as uh, when I was editing last week's show and I said that, I'm like, I swear, I know he did something noteworthy. And I looked it up and I was embarrassed that we both missed that. So, yeah, that's bad. I am going to find us both the I'm going to find us both ten dollars. All right. $10. Checks in the mail already. Put it on our tabs. Uh, Have you been watching this Premier 12 tournament? We talked about live baseball last week. Have you watched any of this? I have not seen any of it yet. I, I did notice that the Roberto Clemente League starts up next week. Did it? I'll be sure to watch that. But yeah, this Premier, Premier 12, all of the games are streaming live on Facebook, which does mean you have to log on to Facebook. But uh, you, you can watch these games. They're great. I, they're, they're headed to the Super Round now, which I think is all the games are taking place in either Korea or Japan. So it's a little bit, you know, you got to stay up late to watch a lot of them, but it is a lot of fun. And last week I said I'd watched some Cuban games and I was wondering why the play was kind of lackluster. I'm wondering if it might be because all the best players are missing from the league because they're playing in the the Premier 12. That's definitely a possibility. Yeah, it's interesting. Ryan Roland Smith, that's somebody Mariner fans will know both 
from his time on the mound, as well as his Australian accent in the booth, is doing some color work. Hey, I know him pretty good. That's awesome. Good for him. Yeah. Did you did you know that he was on American Ninja Warrior recently? Yes, I actually chatted with him. How, about how that did he do? Bit. How did he do? Um, I don't think they've run the episode yet, have they? Really? I don't know. I don't my know. wife, my wife loves that show. I don't. Well, I talked to him show. about it, but I I didn't um, I didn't like ask him if he won or anything because I heard him saying to someone else, I can't talk about it right now wow. about what happened. Well, we'll check into that because that sounds like a future that that sounds like a future guest right there. Yeah, I might be able to land that. Class the show up a little bit <laughs> for once. <laughs> I did. I told you that Ernie Witt was the Canadian manager. They moved on. They moved to the second round. Uh, oh, nice. He is. Uh, I was trying to figure out who he looks like because, you know, he's an older guy now. And when he squints in the dugout, I swear it looked just like Diamond Dallas Page is managing <laughs> the Canadian national team, which makes me laugh. Well, if he does the diamond cutter, then we know it's and him. It goes bang. Yes. <laughs> Here's a little bit of trivia for you outside of the baseball realm. I was there when Diamond Dallas Page won his first world title. Just wanted to point that out. I was there when Diamond Dallas Page tagged with Carl Malone in the Georgia Dome to take on Dennis Rodman, and I believe it was Hollywood Hulk Hogan. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, how about that? Well, he I'll tell you who he pinned for the title, Ric Flair. So that was pretty fun. I'm not going to woo. I'm just not Wow, did, did we get off the subject? Or, oh, yeah. we're tied in with the woo. Yeah, so woo. Josh Reddick. You know Josh Reddick is having a, a good offseason. I don't know. All right, so uh, Gold Glove Awards were given out. I was very happy. The the corners of my favorite team, uh, the Mats, Olsen, and Chapman, again, second consecutive Gold Gloves for both of them. And then uh, my boy Matt Chapman came in with a second consecutive Platinum Glove as well, which Amazing. I'm excited about. That's impressive. Uh, you and I were both tweeting that the uh, the gold glove winning pitchers for the American and National League <laughs> actually both finished in the uh, opposite leagues that they won they the, the award for. <laughs> they did. That, it was pretty hilarious. Um, but I, I found something interesting here for the gold glove winners. If the award recipient is actually, you know, if they wear a Rawlings glove, if they're sponsored by Rawlings, they get a gold version of their model as the award. If they're not, uh, you know, a Rawlings sponsored player, they just get a generic glove. Which I, I, I'm, I'm a baseball geek, so I thought that was kind of interesting. But uh, uh, good for yeah. good for everybody there. Uh, I, that also led me to this really interesting Gold Glove fact. Uh, do you know? First of all, can you just name who has the most Rawlings Gold Gloves in the history of the award? Okay, I'd say Brooks Robinson then. So Brooks Robinson and Jim Cott were really? tied. They're tied for second. Really? Greg Maddox has 17 Gold Glove Awards. Mad Dog Maddox, 17. Yeah, so Jim Cott and Brooks Robinson had 16. And okay. so uh, I saw this tweet that this guy was talking to Jim Cott. And uh, he told this story. Cott said that after Maddox broke his record for gold gloves, Cott told him, well, the only record I have now is the oldest pitcher to ever steal a base. A couple <laughs> of months later, Maddox stole a base, breaking the record. Then oh, he evil. called Jim Cott and told him about it. That is evil, but hilarious. 
<laughs> That's great. That's funny. Another big thing that came down uh, last week that everybody's still talking about and will be for a while, the Hall of Fame announced the candidates to be considered by the Modern Era Committee in December. And this is quite a list. And I believe only one of these, one of, I don't know, how does this work? Does only one of these guys get in or can there be more than one? No, there can be more than one, I think. Is there? Well, did you, so let's go over the list here. Just let me read them out to you. Then and then we'll get our thoughts here. So first we've got Dewey Evans, Dwight Evans, yeah, Steve Garvey, mm-hmm. Tommy John surgery. No, just kidding. It's just Tommy John. They're not oh, actually yeah. going to put the surgery in there. Uh, next we got Donnie Baseball, Don Mattingly, Marvin Miller, Thurman yeah. Munson, Squatty Body Rest of the uh, New York Yankees, Dale Murphy. Oh sure, yeah. Does does he have a nickname? Was is I I, know, I don't think he's Mister Brave, but. Dale Murphy. Uh, next, we've got uh, the Cobra, Dave Parker. Ted Simmons, who I always think of as a brave as well. And then Lou Whitaker, who we've, we've discussed at length yes, as well. Yes, one of my favorites. All right, so I'm going to put you on the spot here. You get to vote. And we're going we're to do this the way that they're trying to make uh, voting go these days. You're going to rank. You're going to get three votes, and you've got to rank them in okay. terms of you know three like gets one point, two gets two points, and your first place vote gets three points. So how are you going to go with this list? Well, I I favor Dave Parker right there. Um, so he's he's getting your number one three vote. Points. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I guess I would go to. I, I'm a huge Lou Whitaker fan, so I might be off base, but I would give second to Lou Whitaker. Okay. And your final vote? Final vote, just because of his name, Tommy John. Tommy John. All right. I think my votes would go to three separate people. Well, no, I don't want to say that because I'm going to put Lou Whitaker on mine as well. Nice. And I might put him at number two, maybe number three. I think that Steve Garvey, I want to say, is probably going to be my number one. It's going to pain me not to put Don Mattingly on there because I love Don Mattingly. Yeah. And then it's hard between Dale Murphy and Thurman Munson because one of them falls off my list and the other one, you know, is getting a vote. Right. Um, just having spent time in Atlanta and working for the Braves, I, you know, I know he was just everything for those teams. Oh, yeah. But then Thurman Munson was kind of that glue that held those Yankees teams together as well. This is so, true. Yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a tough list. I hope, I hope a couple of them get in. But... That I think that vote comes up in December, so we'll we'll find out. Yeah, it should be interesting. We'll of course have to have a chat about it once it happens. Oh, we will. Yeah, we'll probably have a little retrospective. There you go. All right. So, what last thing I want before we get to our debuts? I have done this in my head forever. This little game, and uh, I I saw a thread on Reddit about it, so I had to go in there. And there were some good ones. I think one mine is one of the longest still, but it's combine names of players to form a single like long name. Oh yes. So like Nolan Ryan Zimmerman, there's right. two players. Uh, we've got uh, Brooks Robinson Cano. Mm-hmm. Likewise, Frank Robinson Cano or Jackie Robinson Cano. Sure. Uh, and some of these, these were, were forming the best players instead of just the longest. Like these are, you know, Brooks Robinson Cano. That's a pretty good player. We got Catfish Hunter Pence. 
And I like this because a lot of it gets an old guy and a, and a contemporary guy together. Uh, this would be one heck of a of a scrappy player, George Brett Gardner. Ooh, yeah, there you go. He could he could bang the pine tar bat on the top of the dugout. There you go. Hank Aaron Judge. I think that might be the best player. That kind of fits, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Larry Walker Bueller. You've got nice. power and a great arm. Yeah. Tommy John Olerud. Uh, next, we've got Steve Carlton Fisk. Not bad. That's not bad. And then this is the one that I had. I changed the last one up a little bit because they're a little bit more contemporary. But this is my player. Ken Griffey Jr. Felix Jose de, Se- de Jesus Montero. <laughs> That's outstanding. So you got Ken Griffey Jr. Then you got Junior Felix, who if you remember, he was uh, he was a early 90s outfielder for the A's and the Royals. He and was then, um, the second. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Junior Felix was he he was with the Blue Jays. I got right. I got ahead of myself there. That's OK. And then Felix Jose was that outfielder for the A's and the Royals. And I cornered the market on Felix Jose autographs because I used to drag him <laughs> around. He couldn't turn me down. I literally had like 150. Uh, I, I enjoyed Felix Jose. I really bad. wanted him to make it big because I'd have been rich. So I used to then go from Felix Jose to Jose Canseco, but I found that if I went to Jose de Jesus, de Jesus can also be part of the first name of Mariners catching legend Jesus Montero and noted ice cream sandwich. uh, (laughs) We both both went there. That's funny. so uh hey i'm interested if any listeners have some have some longer ones or some good players at that yeah go ahead and send them to us those are those are fun i should probably come up with one huh yeah you should probably do that yeah all right show prep for next time yeah all right let's head into our debut segment uh we've covered this before it's the off or it's the off season well it is the off season nobody's making a debut in the majors at this point in any time in baseball history so we've shifted it to birthdays This podcast is dropping on November 12th, so I've got two birthdays today of guys that I wanted to highlight. The first one is Moonlight Graham was born today in 1877. Wow, made famous by that amazing movie, Field of Dreams. But yeah, that's that's where people know him from, but... In case you are not aware of the story of Moonlight Moonlight Graham, June 29th, 1905, the New York Giants visiting the Brooklyn Superbas. End of the eighth inning, Graham just called up, goes out to right field, replaces right fielder George Brown. Uh, Nothing comes his way. Top of the ninth inning, Graham is on deck when Claude Elliott flies out, making the third out of the half inning. Graham then went out to the field for the bottom of the ninth. Nothing came his way. He never touched a ball, and the game ended. And that was his only appearance in the big leagues. Yep. So just a little background, because he was he was actually a really interesting guy. Graham completed his medical degree from the University of Maryland in 1905. And after he retired, he did play several years before and after in the minor leagues of that appearance in the big leagues. Graham made arrangements to have used eyeglasses sent to his office. And on Saturdays, he'd have kids come to his office, check their eyes for free, and then fit them with a proper set of glasses, all free of charge. 
So wow. uh, just he's a you know a great guy. Rather you know rather than just be pigeonholed as that guy that never got an ML you know an, a major league at bat, a great guy. As you mentioned, he was a character in the 1982 novel called Shoeless Joe, which is the book that the movie Field of Dreams was based on. That's right. So Moonlight Graham. Uh, the next player I wanted to highlight was born this day in 1968 in San Pedro de Macaris in the Dominican Republic, Mr. Sammy Sosa. Uh-huh. Nice. So remember, San Pedro de Macaris is that just that factory in the Dominican Republic where it's, just yeah, amazing. Just amazing players after amazing players just come out of this this town and i remember that their their motto is always you can't walk off the island <laughs> they are there to swing that's great uh, sosa 1998 home run chase with mark mcguire be sure to check out our episode on not just that home run race but we did another episode on the 98 season as a whole because it was just an incredible season uh, both home run wise and just it was really interesting uh, to this day. Sosa is still the only player to have hit 60 or more home runs in a single season, three times. Wow. Nobody has done that. I looked it up cause I was curious. I thought maybe bonds had done it twice. Bonds hit 74 and then never hit 60 or more again or before in his entire careers. Hmm. I uh, just want to remind everybody about Sammy Sosa though. In 2005 before Congress, through his attorney, he said, quote, to be clear, I have never taken illegal performance enhancing drugs. I've never injected myself or had anyone inject me with anything. I have not broken the laws of the United States or the laws of the Dominican Republic. I have been tested as recently as 2004 and I am clean. So if you really listen to that statement, he is he is absolutely not denying anything, but everything he did under the rules of baseball, under the rules of the United States, was completely legal at that point, and he clearly did not take steroids by injecting himself. It's, it's pretty much able to read into that, yeah. Interesting sentence. 100%. He is not saying he didn't take right. performance enhancing drugs right. he's just saying i didn't do anything wrong anything against the law at that point or nothing a rule. against the law didn't break any rules i'm good <laughs> so like uh, sosa is still ninth on the all-time home run leader board with 609 on that all-time top 10 home run leaderboard three of those guys on that list are eligible for all of fame but will never go in bonds yeah. a rod and sosa yep and then add to that, you know, the all-time hit leader is not even eligible to get in in Pete Rose. So baseball, right. interesting, <laughs> interesting <yeah>. sport. <laughs> All right. So that'll do it for our, uh, our pregame, our, our batting practice segment. So with that, we're going to jump into our main body, uh, the first inning. And uh, Mark, what are you going to talk about this week? I'd like to talk a little bit about baseball's unwritten rules. Just, okay, just... While you're listening to this, listeners, please do not write these down. Yeah, they have to be unwritten. They have to remain unwritten. So we're trusting you guys. This is a bond that we're forming with everybody. Do not write these down. Especially if you're driving and listening to this. Is it, what an unwritten rule is, I'll give you a general idea that we've talked about before. You don't talk about a no-hitter that's in progress. You just, you don't. And, and I, I break that one all the time. Uh, well, good for you. Um, I don't know what the future holds for you. It could mean a lot of fans <laughs> beating you up with sticks. 
I like when the Mariners are, are throwing a no hitter and I just keep texting you about no hitters. Oh God. Yeah. That was fun. Let me tell you. <laughs> I, uh, so yeah. So generally you, the fans are not supposed to talk about it, but everybody, you know, you can hint around about it. Boy, this is an interesting game so far, isn't it? Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Look at the board, you know, stuff like that. The pressure's on the, uh, Official score, but we don't want to go into that. Anyway, you don't talk about a no hitter that's in progress. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a few more, and I want to know what you think of them, Jeff. Okay. Um, don't steal bases when you're ahead by a bunch. Yeah, now, but that one has been changing though because it, I I remember back in the 80s, it was like if you've got a five run lead, a four or yep. five run lead, don't run. But now yep. with like Coors Field and balls going out left and right, it's like seven or eight run. Yep, but it's it's considered showing up the other team. Or, you know, so you just don't do it. You don't also don't want to steal bases when you're behind 12 to nothing either. Well, that's just stupid. Yeah, it's stupid. (laughs) And it it looks, it shows that you're just trying to pad your stats. This one is kind of common sense, but it's one of those things you say um, that it's kind of a, it's an unwritten rule nonetheless. Do not make the first or third out at third base. I am 100% down with that. And I'll yell at people when they do. Oh man, it bugs me too. You got a runner in scoring position. You're going to run him with two outs. You've got, I mean, you got a guy in scoring position. Why would you steal third? Yeah. Or it, or if you're on first base with no outs or one outs and some guy singles. Yeah. You're, I mean, you, you, you can't, unless you know you can make it. Yeah. You're, you can't. You can't yeah. Yeah. If you got two outs, don't get out at third. If, you know, sometimes people try to stretch a double into a triple. I get that a little bit. But if you're out by a mile, it was just dumb. Watch your base coaches, people. <laughs> <laughs> How about uh, the plunking rule? If someone hits your big guy, you hit their big guy. If someone hits your catcher, you hit their catcher. I hate it. I'm over yeah. it. I, it. It's hard for me to get through it. You know, I, it's kind of ingrained in what I was brought up with, but I am on board. You can hurt people. Hurting people just to prove a point is barbaric and in, i'm i'm not down with this part anymore you know you as a pitcher you're kind of seen as not protecting your players if you don't uh, at least throw high and tight but i don't know how long like you say you know i don't know how long that's still going to be an unwritten rule well for various reasons right now you just you if somebody hits your guy you hit their guy and you have if they hit your guy again, then the bench is clear and it's just it's all unwritten, but it's all scripted. I think we we need to move. We need to evolve beyond that. That would be nice. I, I don't know if it's going to happen, but that would be nice. How about this one? Now, we've had a discussion on this before. Admiring your home run. Don't don't do it. Run the bases. You act like you've hit tons of home runs before and it's no big deal. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is another one of those that I, I need to get over. And I'm I I'm I'm getting over it more than I am the hitting just because it's a gut reaction with the hitting, especially if it's you know my team involved with it. But I you know if you want to flip a bat and do that stuff, that's fine. You just you know you can't when the when the pitcher strikes somebody out or does something and he yells and <clears throat> points at you, you know you got to just tip your cap. I guess so. I personally, it's an emotional thing. So I hope I could I wish I could write it off. But it still does upset me when I see. I, I do love it. that, and we talked about it with Anthony Rendon in the series. Though, just keeps his head down, runs the bases. Yeah, I love and that. Goes because and celebrates in the dugout. I like right. that. 
That's what he's saying is, yeah, 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 I hit another home run. I know you guys all like it, but it's not that big of a deal to me. Let me run the bases. Here's one. Remember when A-Rod ran across the I, field I remember, oh, I, and stepped on the pitcher's mound, and it oh. was like a kerfuffle over this thing? I Yeah. Well, I mean, it was because it was the A's. It was Dallas Braden. That's right. Dallas Braden, who does an incredible job doing uh, color commentary on the A's broadcast, and he talks about it all the time. And that was one of the ones that I have is not only don't step on the pitcher's mound, but don't play catch on the infield. Warm-ups, all that stuff, do that near the dugout or, or in the outfield. The infield, the pitcher's mound, that's off-limit. You don't do it. You don't step on the pitcher's mound. You don't run across the field. You know, if you're coming in to talk with your own pitcher, that's different, obviously. But, you know, you just you don't step on the pitcher's mound. You get out at first, you go around the mound and yep. behind it, you know? I've never seen anybody else do that before or after. Certainly yeah, after when I became more aware of it. Never seen it. Yeah. I, I uh, The only time I remember it happening is with A-Rod. How about don't sidle up in the batter's box while the pitcher's still warming up? Another thing you don't do. <laughs> That's how you do get hit by a pitch. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, really, you should be over in the on-deck circle until the umpire calls you up. That's a that's kind of silly, but apparently it's been done. <laughs> I really Here's wanted another, to see what he had. Yeah. Here's another uh, strategic rule that I agree with. Uh, at home, you play for a tie. On the road, you play for a win. I'm. That's the way I always think of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think of it the same thing in, in football. I was working a football game last night and it was kind of close at the end. And the, the team, the road team, you know, was looking like they might go down and score a touchdown. And I was thinking, well, I would be going for two if they do, because then you get your ahead by one and you're on the road. Because in baseball, you you get the last at bat. So if you're yeah. home team, you got one more shot. No matter what happens, you yep. get one more shot than the other team. Here's one that I totally agree with. Do not bunt. To break up a no-hitter. I am 100% against it. Baloney. What? Really? Absolutely. That's the stupidest rule, I think. You're trying to, just because somebody is no-hitting you, you're trying to win the baseball game. You need to get on base. I don't care about the other guy throwing a no-hitter. I want to get on base. Even if you're down 12 to nothing? Even if you're down 12 to nothing. I probably wouldn't, wouldn't do it. And I, and you know, I'm, a, I'm afraid that if you did do it, then you would get hit by a pitch, you know, and, and something I'm going to talk about in my, in, in my part is bunting and small ball is the original baseball. That's how you played the game. I That's have true. no problem with it. I would probably, if I was the manager and you're getting spanked 12 to nothing and it's a no hitter in the seventh or eighth inning, I would probably say, guys, let's go up there and swing, but I don't have a problem with bunting for and I don't call it trying to break up a no hitter. I I say you're bunting, you're trying to get on to to win the game. I guess I come from more of the angle of a pitcher. Um, you know, I, I, if I'm pitching incredibly well and you're going to try and beat me with a little bunt, that's going to piss me off, but you know. <laughs> well, Nolan it, Ryan certainly would enjoy it. I'm wondering yeah. if anybody in his seven no hitter tried to bunt after the third or fourth inning. That is that an excellent went. question. <laughs> <laughs> That's an excellent question. I, you know, if you're going to bunt early in a no-hitter, fifth inning, something sure. like that, go for it. I, I don't think anybody cares at that point. But it's after about that. You, once you get into the sixth inning, then yeah. people start to care. But I'm still, especially if it's still within reach, you're trying to get on base, man. You're trying to get base runners to score runs. I have no problem with it if it's a close game. 
I mean, you have to do it. If it's two to nothing, you know what? Get a runner on, hit a home run. That's how you tie the ball game up and get on any way you can. How about following the umpire's code? Yeah, this one's interesting. There are certain words you can't say to an umpire. <laughs> and it's a family show, so I'm not going to get into them specifically. Let's just say it's, uh, it's two words or one long word, and it, start, it goes CS uh, are the initials. <laughs> just Don't watch Bull that. Durham. Watch Bull that, Durham. That is automatic. Um, also the umpires, you can tell them they made a crappy call. You can tell them that they were, you know, didn't see it or, from, but you don't want to call them. You're a terrible umpire. That'll get you tossed. I, I always heard that it was, you could, you could discuss how the call was wrong, how you disagree, but if you ever gave them ownership of the call, like if you said you made a you know, bleep, bleep call. That's when they don't like it as well. You can say that's a BS call, but yeah. if you say you made a BS call, then they're likely to ring you, to ring you, to run you as well. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. How about take a strike when you're behind? I, I do that. Just that's, that's the way whenever I play a video game, I do because you want to try to get ahead of the count. Yeah, to, that's you just, know, so that so that you can get a better pitch to maybe get on base. Yeah, yeah that's just smart baseball. It's good strategy. It's yeah. it's one of those strategic unwritten rules. You know, you, you want to go up there, and of course, you're an ace fan. You want to see as many pitches as possible. You know, you're a Moneyball guy. Oh, 10 years, 10, 15 years ago when that was the case. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite because I abide by this, and I don't know why. But if you get hit by a pitch. Don't if rub you get it. Knocked down. Do not rub the spot. <laughs> Don't rub where it hit you. Don't dust yourself off. Just run to you first. Know? Run to first and be like, "Yeah, that I, I, I barely hurt." Oh, I couldn't do that. I would be, I'd be hopping around. I'd be waiting. For, I'd <laughs> be motioning the trainer to come hit me with the spray. <laughs> I've, I have pulled it off, but it's not easy, man. Because you're just hurting and you're trying to act no like you're not. No way. Especially if it, it gets you on the elbow, like on the funny uh, bone. Oh my god. Yeah. You know who used to react to getting hit by a pitch the, the most comedically was Ichiro. He, he would like stretch his back. Oh, God. You know, it was like the greatest pain in the world, which I understand. He's, he's like negative 3% body fat. You know, it's, it's probably going to hurt more than hitting me in the belly. Yeah. <laughs> he has the best reactions. Uh, but I've, again, I've seen guys just boom, and then you know it hurt. But they're taken off to first base. When, when it happened to me, I would rub the spot when the when gameplay started again and no one was looking <laughs> take your lead and then kind of just <laughs> that it's stinking hurts you got to rub the, the spot where you got plunked it, it's you're not supposed to do it here's a weird one why do pitchers stay in the game after they're pulled why do they stay in the dugout i always show well i think it's being a good teammate and my thought was they always especially if they leave runners on they stay there until those runners either score or are put out Sure. Or also, if it's a close game, you stay in there until the half inning, until you know you're until that 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 frame that you were pitching in is over with. That yeah. that's and and that's what I always see when I look in the dugout. You know, if somebody's come out, they'll stay in there. But then once your team comes to the bat, they usually go down there shower. They might come back out. You know, in yes. just a, a pullover or something. They're not in full uniform to come watch the rest of the game, or they're just sitting in there waiting the game to end and yep it and as a position player if you get pinch hit for you take your spot on the bench 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Position players, you don't want to go back and play poker with Ricky and Bobby Bonilla. Don't do it. <laughs> Even if you're not happy you got pulled, you, especially if it's the NLCS game seven, you've got to stay there and you, you, you're, you don't have to be on the rail, but you know, you got to be in the dugout. Yep. Um, how about don't ever show up your fielders? Oh, I'm 100% on that. Yeah. I, I, you know who used to do that was Gaylord Perry. He'd just get frustrated and, uh, he would, he would put his hands on his hips, shake his head. You know, if, if you make an error, you're already not feeling real good about yeah. it. And if for someone to show you up, for example, <laughs> um, Billy Martin back in 77 pulled Reggie Jackson for playing like lackadaisical. Oh yeah. Field I remember this. Yeah. In the middle of an inning. Yep. Oh yeah. You just don't do that. But he did. He was angry and you know, he said Jackson wasn't hustling. So he sent someone out to take his spot. And Jackson was in the middle of talking to the opposing team's bullpen when his replacement came out. He turned around and was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and he said, well, you, coach pulled you. You got to go in. And Reggie was absolutely incensed. I mean, they had to be was, separated in the dugout. They, they he did. was He was going after him. He was going to just slug Billy. I remember yeah. that. I understand it somewhat, but in all honesty, you got to be out there. You got to hustle. Especially well, we've had that hard. we've had that a couple of times this year where uh, I mean uh, for the Braves who was it it was Albies I think popped up and and didn't run it out and he got benched right away didn't go yeah. out to the field we've right. seen that a couple of times with guys not not hustling not uh, you know on just on routine pop ups or grounders not hustling they're getting pulled right yeah that's um, that was a crazy incident. You know, there's been a few incidents when a manager's almost come to blows with a player, Lupinella. You know, uh, it happens once in a while. But uh, Billy was a firecracker, and Reggie did not like to be shown up. No, so definitely it was just not. a clash. Another rule: never walk in front of the catcher. Yeah, when you go to the, when you go to home plate, you circle around behind the catcher and the umpire. That's right. You don't. You're going to anger the pitcher, the catcher, and the umpire probably. That's just like when the umpire goes to dust off home plate, he always turns his back to the pitcher so that he's not sticking his butt up at the crowd. That's right. Yep. So another that's a real simple rule, and it's it's pretty much always followed. How about we talked about over celebrating a home run? What about over celebrating a strikeout? I'm fine with it. It if if you do if you're if you're fine with with people flipping bats and celebrating home runs, you got to be okay when. It all right, another one. We're winding down here. I'm, I'm almost done, I promise. Uh, how about the, this uh, notion that you always let the center fielder catch the ball if he can get to it? I think that, I, I mean, that's, again, one that I grew up with, but I think it's up to the center fielder. I, I take it more as the center fielder calls for it, you let him have it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're a center fielder and, and you're really having to beat it to get to it and the left fielder can get it easier, I let him have it. It's not it's not a give way to the center fielder just because he can get there. It's whoever's got the best chance of making the play more routine. Well, it certainly makes more sense that way. So um, that's pretty much all I have. If you can think of some other ones, uh, folks, send them in. I got I got a couple for you. All right. Throw them at me. All right. How about this one? Don't swing at the first pitch after back to back home runs. You know what? That makes doesn't make sense because what if you get your perfect pitch in the same manner? I get it. You know, I, I'm 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 just I'm just remembering a couple of scene in the past 
Um, another one, rookies don't pay for anything. Really? Yeah. When you're a rookie, you come up usually, and Robinson Cano, I know, is famous for this, and Nelson Cruz. It, it's, it seems to be more of a, a Latin thing more than anything, but rookies don't pay for anything. Generally, you know, you don't have nice clothes if you're a rookie and just getting there. Generally, a vet will take you. Uh, especially if you're in New York or in some of these other towns, there's some very famous tailors, Miami, where major leaguers go. And these guys have been doing it for a long time and they'll buy you three or four really nice suits. They never pay for a meal. You know, you got to do all this stuff like taking bags and all that stuff in, but you don't, rookies don't pay for anything. You know what? I have never heard that. And that you, they just, they pass it on. So it's a way to, to Hmm. just, show you know hey you're in the big leagues now this is how you gotta act you you know you gotta wear nice clothes like this you gotta look good and uh, i've seen this i read a great article on it i i'm not sure if i saved it somewhere but a really great article on some of these tailors and and talk to some of the players that did that uh the if you're a rookie pitcher I don't know if every team does this, but you have to wear like a pink my little pony yeah backpack. i've noticed that's really gone that's really gone away recently in the last couple of years because yeah i remember i remember you and i uh working games and we could we could you know we were trying to figure out who had the least service amount of service time right. and you just wait till they go out to the dugout and look for the whoever's wearing the my little pony backpack that's right and it can be strawberry shortcake or something else that's you know a little girl would wear T- frozen that kind frozen. of stuff yeah yes, but hey man i have a frozen backpack come on next don't touch other people's stuff don't don't yeah. try on somebody else's glove. Don't mess right. with their bat. Don't touch their clothes in their locker. Don't. That is all off limits. Don't Player and that. the clubby are the only ones allowed to touch stuff in the locker. And then my last one was honor everybody's superstitions. Don't mess with them. You know, if if you're if if you've got to have three pieces of black licorice in your mouth when you go out to the mound jumping over the line, yeah. you make sure that that guy has got three pieces of licorice. Yeah, for various reasons, you know, not the least of which is it makes you more comfortable when you're doing something that makes you more comfortable, you know? Yeah, man, you just, you gotta, you gotta, you can laugh, you can make fun of them, but you can't mess Mm -hmm. with it. Hey, like the commercial says, it's only weird if it doesn't work. Yep, exactly. Yeah, those, those are the ones that I could, I I could remember off the top of my head that you, those are good. Those are very good. All right. So there we've got it. Unwritten rules. Now, if anybody wrote those down, Believe you me, we're coming after you because we don't want to yeah. get in trouble. We yeah, they, it's uh, the men in green will come after you. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Mark, last week you talked about the uh, axe handle bats for a little yeah. bit. And I love those things. First of all, I need I want to get one because I love it. I always have bats in my office here because I like to just hold them and then I'll go swing them and stuff. And I want to. Sure. I want, I want one of those. But it got me to thinking about the history of bats in baseball and, you know, kind of their evolution. So I did uh, actually quite a bit of research. And uh, then my computer decided that it did not like it and removed all of my research. So I did it all again yesterday. And I wanted to talk about a history of bats. So let's uh, first jump way back in the uh, Wayback Machine. Put on your your old-timey baseball outfit. We're going to go back to the 1840s. And if you wanted to play baseball in the 1840s, it was basically a BYOB situation. Bring your own bat. Uh, You want to use a piano leg? Sure, bring it. You've got a (laughs) shovel? 
bring it. <laughs> like there was, there were no regulations uh, to begin with with the bat. Length, weight, if shape. It was wooden. Oh, it didn't if even. It was wooden and you could swing it. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not even saying it needed to be wood. There certainly weren't, weren't aluminum bats at that point, but there were basically no regulations. It's just bring something that you can swing at it. Uh, a lot of flat bats, similar to cricket bats, were used, and and it makes sense because a lot of these people. Uh, are, are only a generation or two or, or maybe less removed from being in uh, in Europe, especially in England, where cricket, as it still is, is very popular. And and using those bats, is might they might have a cricket bat. Uh, most bats were either made of ash or hickory. Uh, eventually, ash became the more popular. And the reason why is because while hickory was strong, uh, ash was equally as strong but a lot lighter. But also, since it was strong, there were fewer broken bats. And these guys didn't have bat, you know, uh, manufacturers and and contracts. So if they broke a bat, that's their bat. They might not have one. Uh, Just to, I saw this very interesting uh, comparison uh, between hickory and ash in terms of weight. So Roger Maris used a 33-ounce ash bat when he hit his 61 home runs. A hickory bat of the same dimensions would weigh 42 ounces. Wow. So that's a big difference. I hadn't thought about that. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. So let's jump ahead now to 1884 and the Louisville Eclipse. You remember the Louisville Eclipse? Were you you working for them? I did. That was my first job. Yeah. Well, do you remember Gladiator Pete Browning? Like an uncle. (laughs) So he was a very, uh, very popular player with the Eclipse, uh, and one day he broke his bat. So there in the stands playing uh, hooky was a 17-year-old named John Bud Hillerich. After the game, he saw the bat was broken. He said, hey, my father owns a woodworking shop. I'd like to make you a bat, a a new bat. Uh, And Pete's like, all right, let's do this. So Bud, instead of just making a bat, he said, well, tell me what you want in this bat. Give me what, you know, tell me what size what uh, what weight what length he took all of these specifications and made a bat personalized for uh, the gladiator and this was had not been done before you just you you got a bat and you kind of used it some guys some guys took spokes off of wagon wheels and used those as bats there was no wow. there was no real you know uh, specifications given or, or you know customization so the next day did anyone try to use a railroad tie? I'm just curious. I would not be surprised. I've got some be stories. A very there. strong person. <laughs> so the next day, the gladiator goes three for three at the plate with his new bat, and everyone oh. becomes enamored that oh my gosh, this bat's beautiful. It's great. So just like that, uh, baseball bats now have a manufacturer. Bud Hillrich had his name stamped on bats, and he still does to this very day as a Louisville Slugger. Wow. So that's cool. Bats, though, still there, there were no real rules regarding them. Guys used square bats, which they used to bunt very easily with. <laughs> uh, they had square handled bats because some guys said that felt better in their hands. Um, some used bats that were the same width the entire length. So it was just like taking a, a real thick dowel up there. There was a, a guy named Henry Heine Grow. He used what was called a bottle bat. And if you want to imagine this, just imagine like a big oxygen tank with a real thin handle like stuck up it. 
That's what it looked like. Wow. And the reason why, because because Gro had really small hands, so he needed a real thin handle to to be able to grab it. But he wanted a big, you know, bulbous barrel to hit with. Well, he used this in in the 1922 World Series. He hit 474 with this bat, and over his career, hit over 300 four times. So the first specific rules regarding bats came about in the 1850s, and they uh, simply stated that the bat must be round and must not exceed two and a half inches in diameter in the thickest part, and it must be made of wood. It could be any length. Well, these rules were altered every other year, it seemed like. Flat bats were legalized, then they were banned, then they were legalized and banned. Guys used these bats, uh, again, because they were cricket players, so they would use these flat bats to bunt really well and, and, and kind of maneuver where they were putting the ball. Uh, length and diameter were tinkered with many, many times as well. Today, bats are capped at 42 inches long and 2.6 inches in diameter. Ty Cobb, you know Ty Cobb, you've heard of him? Yeah, I think he was a football player. Yeah, I think he was, but he he was a two-sport athlete. He also played baseball, and he was pretty good at it. And in the 1920s, he despised that people were so enamored with home runs and this kid, Babe Ruth, that was hitting him. And Ty Cobb was a big fan of of well-placed bunts and slap singles and just, you know, playing small ball, putting the ball where you want it to get on base. So he thought it took less skill to hit home runs. And to prove his point one day, he told a reporter, I'll show you something today. I'm going to go for home runs for the first time in my career. Okay, Ty Cobb at this point was 38 years old. So that day in Sportsman's Park, he went six for six with three home runs and a double. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's 16 total bases in the game. <laughs> Wow. Do you know he held that record for quite a while until uh, 2002? Really? Sean Green hit 19 total bases on May 23rd, 2002 against the LA Dodgers. Green went six for six with four home runs, a double, and a single for 19 total bases. Dang. That's, a, that's a month for some people. Yeah, that's a good day right there. Uh, so the next day after Cobb went six for six, he clubbed two more home runs. So that's five home runs in two consecutive games, something that had never been done before, not even by Ruth. Having proven his point, he said, all right, I'm done with that. I'm going back to hitting singles and bunts. That's absolutely incredible. That's a Ty Cobb, man. What a, a jerk face racist, but an incredible, incredible baseball player. Oh, man. One of the best ever with a bat. So I told you that there was, going back into the 1880s, there were some rules in place regarding bats. One of them was specifically regarding substances that you could put on a bat. So there were substances that were okayed that you could put on there to help you to help you grip the bat, but they could only reach 18 inches up the handle. Well, jump forward 100 years to 1976, and Twins uh, skinflint owner Calvin Griffith, after he moved the team from Washington to Minnesota, He was tired of paying for so many baseballs. He's like, screw this. How are we going to save money? Well, he figured out that pine tar on bat handles was starting to creep up higher than that 18 inches and was causing balls to be taken out of play because they'd be covered with pine tar. So he wanted to change the rules. 
The rule read any such material. Well, they changed the rule. Excuse me. They changed the rule to read any such material. And then they put this phrase in there, including pine tar which extends past the 18-inch limitation in the umpire's judgment shall cause the bat to be removed from the game. So just remember the end of that, shall shall cause the bat to be removed from the game. So we're going to jump forward another couple of years to July 24th, 1983. George Brett, the Royals, Goose Gossage of the New York Yankees, Yankee Stadium, the infamous pine tar incident. We've talked about it before. He hits a go-ahead home run. Uh, the bat boy picks up the bat instead of replacing it, you know, in the dugout, wants to congratulate his friend. Billy Martin, you know, knew that he had a lot of pine tar on there. He's staring at that bat, and he goes out, and he says, I want you to measure the pine tar on that. Brett's called out. They wipe out the home run. Brett goes crazy. And it's, it's you know, one of those iconic baseball scenes. Well, several days later, after a lengthy review... American League President Lee McPhail sides with George Brett and the Royals and calls for a makeup of the game's conclusion replayed from the point of Brett's home run because the rule at that point, uh, it said nothing about a player using a bat like, like Brett's being called out and the home run was ruled legal. All the rule said, remember, is that the bat shall be removed from the game. Right. So that was the impetus as to why they said Brett's home run counted. So let's talk quickly about bat weight. So players like Babe Ruth believe that the heavier the bat, the more power you were going to get out of it. Right. Uh, they, there were bats as heavy as 45, sometimes 50 ounces used. And again, today, the average bat is about 32 ounces. So a lot lighter. Players in the 20s and 30s would sometimes hammer nails and needles into the barrel of the bat as well to increase the mass. Wow. Ted Williams, I I discussed him last week when we were talking about bats, and I told a story. So Williams was meticulous, some would say even paranoid, about the weight of his bats. He asked the Red Sox to install a scale in the clubhouse to save him some time because he kept going to the post office to weigh all his bats as they would (laughs) come in. Uh, one time, legend had it, Louisville Slugger brought six bats into a hotel room, blindfolded him, and asked him to pick them up and tell him which of the one was heaviest. And the one that was heaviest was only half an ounce heavier than the other five. He did it twice in a row. <laughs> he picked wow. out the, that one bat. He was just you know, meticulous about the weight of his bats. As I said last week, he got a shipment of new bats, and after, you know, just picking him up, he sent him back with a short note that all it said was grip doesn't feel right. So upon receiving the bats, employees used calipers, measured the bat handles. They were five thousandths of an inch thinner than the ones he had ordered. Oh, really? And he knew that? He knew it just by putting them in his hands. Just it's it's crazy. All right. So that's it for bats and unwritten rules. So those were two I thought those were, were very interesting subjects. I thought they uh, were fun. So now we are going to move from the the game. We're going to kind of go to extra innings. We're going to go to uh, a popular segment of ours. It is time for Wax Pack Heroes. Play it. Gotta pull the Wax Pack Heroes. All right. So that... that 
theme is climbing the charts already. Uh, I would hope so. It is still uh, second best is still holding up at number one, which is weird because we haven't played second best for quite a while, but still wildly popular. But uh, Wax Packs Heroes is climbing the charts. Yeah, uh, it, it, that's a killer song. I mean, the vocals are not as good as the ones from second best, but they're, they're good. <laughs> they're almost more professional. It's almost, all I yeah. Say. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. All right. So let's get into Wax Packs Heroes. If this is your first time, uh, we'll go over the rules real quick here. I have got a Beckett baseball card monthly here from 1992 with the cover boy, Steve Avery, who single-handedly won me last week's uh, Wax Packs Hero. Uh, mm-hmm. I have got two uh, baseball packs here. Today we are opening Tops 1991. These are some of the older, car- uh, younger cards that we've ever opened here. Uh, <laughs> we do have a couple of rules. Uh, one, if you uh, have a mustache on the front of the card, you get an extra cent. And uh, two, if you are a Hall of Famer, you get an extra five cents. We are using this 92 edition of Beckett because uh, there's more prices to some of these cards that really have no value now. So that's why we do it. So Mark, uh, I've let you choose the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm on a a three or four game win streak here. Uh, I'm going to let you choose once again. I've got two 91 uh, tops cards. Do you want left or right? Well, I've been losing with the right card. um, So I'm going to go with it again. (laughs) I mean, it can't go a streak forever, right? I mean, I'm I'm not betting against Joe DiMaggio, I don't think. All right, so you are going to uh, go with the one on the right. Let's open this up. This is another actual wax pack. Last week, we did get a full piece of gum intact. Today, oh, first one is broken into a couple of pieces. Bummer. Yeah. It's not in mint condition. Nope. All right. So we are starting off with uh, somebody that we've, uh, we've talked about before on the show. Uh, it is Astros pitcher Jim, two silhouettes on Deshaies. Uh, one of my all-time favorite pitchers. Looks like he's in Wrigley Field. Uh, he has just released a pitch and is looks like he's scared, like it's a comebacker. He's kind of kind of hunched over. <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that that is probably not worth anything. Now this is today. There are so many uh, cards here. It actually goes over to a second page. But there's only two cards there, and that's uh, Ken Griffey Jr. and Mike Greenwell. So we'll know that if we get either of those, I've got to flip the page. But uh, Jim Deshays is not wearing uh, a mustache. I I keep saying wearing, and I'm probably going to call their uniforms outfits because that's apparently what I do. (laughs) Yeah, you have been doing that. (laughs) Next, we have got uh, Jamie Navarro, uh, pitcher for the Brewers. I know he's a pitching coach somewhere now. Yeah, I Uh, believe he is. He uh, is sporting a little mustache there in this, so that you, there's at least one point. Uh, but beyond that, he is uh, not uh, not worth anything in the world of 1992 baseball cards. Next, we've got, all right, here is your Hall of Famer. He is wearing a mustache, as well as having grown one. Uh, at this point, he is with the Los Angeles Dodgers. He is the uh, one of only five players, and I, I did a little research today for some reason and looked at this. He is one of only five players in the top 50 uh, list of players with the most hits in the history of baseball to be a switch hitter. He is a known grumpy man, Eddie Murray. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, he is a heck of a hitter, though. Yeah, well. I mean, that guy could hit. 
he is worth three cents in Beckett, one cent for the mustache, and five cents for being a Hall of Famer. That's nine cents. All right, I'm on the board. You are. All right, uh, next we have got, now I believe this guy ran into some trouble with the law recently. Uh, here he is listed as a catcher, outfielder, third baseman for the New York Yankees, Mr. Jim Leyritz. Frito Leyritz, yes. Kind of a hard-nosed player. I, I remember liking him for that. I didn't mind him when he was a player, but I, like I said, I think he got into some problems with the law that were not, uh, wasn't, wasn't shoplifting or anything. It was a little bit more serious. So was it loitering? Cause that's an evil. Crime. No, it was not. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next we have got, uh, an outfielder here for the Toronto Blue Jays. Remember this guy quite a bit. Glenn Allen Hill. Yeah. Glenn Allen Hill. I remember him in Strat. The, for some reason, my buddy called him. Called him Ten Gallon Hill. Uh, but. <laughs> Is this the same guy they called Javi Lopez Hector Lopez? It's actually a different guy. <laughs> oh, you've got some weird friends. Oh, weird tell me friends. about it. You're one of them. Yeah. Well, I'm, if they're weirder than me, then they are freaks. Uh, all right. So this guy, uh, Glenn Allen Hill, I do not see a mustache there. So that is zero cents. Uh, next, we've got left-handed starter for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Bob Patterson. I do not remember him. I remember him, but he's just kind of, uh, he's a common in the baseball war, or baseball card world, and uh, his nickname no is Cowboy, though, but no mustache. Cowboy should have a mustache. Absolutely. Next, uh, we've got a pitcher for the Dodgers, clean-shaven Jim Needlinger. Nidlinger, yes. Nidlinger? I don't know. I don't know, Jim. Yeah. No, Nidlinger was... Um... Yeah, he was a Dodger, I think, his whole career. No, no, no. He signed with um, the Pirates. Yeah, well, he is worth two cents somehow. Because <laughs> oh, he's Jim Neidlinger. Come on, man. <laughs> All right. So there, I have never heard that name in my life. Uh, here is a guy that, boy, this guy was, was very good his entire career. A good hitter. Here he is listed as a third baseman. I remember him mainly at second for the Cleveland Indians, Carlos Baerga. Carlos, you guess his nickname? Uh, I don't know what Carlos Baerga's nickname it's was. Carlos Cheese Baerga. What? I don't know. Cheese Baerga. Oh, <laughs> Cheese Baerga, Cheese Baerga, Cheese Baerga. That's right, Cheese Baerga. <laughs> ah, I had never heard that one. Well, uh, Mr. Baerga is worth two cents, and he is sporting a stash. So that's a three-cent yes. card. Way to come through for me, Cheese. <clears throat> Here is a Mariner catcher, Scott Bradley. <laughs> sure, yeah, I remember Scott Bradley. He was uh, it's kind of a backup. I don't remember a whole lot about him. I just remember him being a backup for. We're not talking about the composer Scott Bradley. We're talking about the catcher Scott Bradley. And I don't yeah. know how much memory I have of his career. Was he? Did he back up Dave Valley? Who Who was he backing so. up? Um, let's see. So it'd have been eighties. Yeah, Dave Valley. Was Dave Valley? Did anybody ever call him Death Valley? No, but that's not bad. I'll, I'll have to ask him. I like Dave Valley. He's he's a real nice guy. He's a great guy. His uh, his foundation, charitable foundation, is amazing. All right, so this guy is steeped in World Series history. He is uh, at this point playing for the Toronto Blue Jays. He is the guy that hit that little uh, ball with the English down the first baseline in the '86 World Series that went through Bill Buckner's legs. Mister Mookie Wilson, the Mookster, the original Mookie, the original Mookie, he of the clutch slow roller. Yep. 
Now, I agree that I don't think even if uh, Buckner feels that, that they get Mookie Wilson because, who was it, Calvin Chiraldi was on the mound? Or no? Yeah. Yeah, it was. He did not break to cover first base, so I don't think they were going to get Mr. Mookie Wilson at first. But Interesting uh, side note. Mookie Wilson is a common uh, at this at this point. Here we go out, or no, a pitcher for the A's. This guy is looks a lot like Dave Stewart. When I first saw this card, I thought it was Stu. He's wearing a mustache, but it is Reggie Harris. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Reggie Harris. Uh, man, I'm trying to think. Who's he playing for in the card? The A's. Yeah, I know Reggie Harris. Um, I didn't know him for a long time. Um, but I, he used to, he had a, um, what did he have? He had a, like, I'm trying to remember the cars. This is a long time ago, but he had a, a, like a BMW and he didn't want to leave it in the parking lot when they went on road trips. So he'd give it to me and I would park it at my house. <laughs> I think you told me about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, so I, for a while, you know, every once in a while I'd have Reggie Harris's Beamer and he let me use it. So that was cool. Well, he is worth two cents and he's got a nice mustache. So that's a three. Right cent on. Card. Reggie's still coming through for me. Uh, next, we've got, oh, boy, this guy pitched forever. Here he is pitching for the Dodgers. I remember him mainly for the Cubs. Mike Morgan. Oh, absolutely. Long career. Yeah, now Mike Morgan is not worth anything, but this is the epitome of an 80s, even though this is a 91 card. This is the epitome of a fact about a baseball player on the back of a baseball card. Mike spends his off-season living log cabin style in the wilderness where he enjoys hunting and fishing. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty typical. That is every single major league player in the 80s. I like yeah. hunting and fishing. Ricky Henderson has that on the back of one of his cards, and I guarantee you Ricky Henderson does not hunt and fish. <laughs> it's like you have to do it if you're a baseball player. If you're a veteran, you got to do it. You know... um, Morgan actually pitched for 22 years. Yeah, I, I, I remember he pitched forever. He was hit some, and he's not even a lefty. No, that's the crazy thing. He started when he was 18 years old in 1978. He missed um, 80 and 81 seasons as well, the 84 season. I think he was in the minors. But after that, he went straight from 85 through 2002. Yeah, long career. Lucky guy. Yeah. yeah. Next, we've got pitcher for the Red Sox. I don't remember this guy, Rob Murphy. Yeah, I'm not recalling that either. He apparently pitched uh, the middle 80s with the Reds and then a couple of years with the Red Sox. Uh, a lefty, I believe, now that I yep. think about it. Yep. Yeah. But, he was around uh, a while. That's not worth anything and no mustache. Uh, next, we've got pitcher for the Brewers, Mark Knutson. Knutson, K-N-U-D. I think it's just Knutson. But no clue. I, I remember the name. Um, Mark has also been employed as a sports writer in Denver. <laughs> wow. I wonder if he wrote horrible things about himself. <laughs> he is sporting a mustache. The card is not worth anything. He, unfortunately, though, is wearing the uh, fake stirrups. And this is right at 91. This is right around the time when these started to become real popular. That's mm. that's disappointing. That, Annoying. That's almost worth taking a, a cent away. Now, I think... I remember this guy. Uh, your final card is pitcher for the Reds, Tim Leana. Uh, I have no idea even how to spell that. I don't know. L a y a n a. Yeah, not familiar. I believe he came up, and he was thought that he was going to kind of be part of the Nasty Boys. He was going to be one of those real, you know, good relievers 
that they had, right. but I, I, he didn't really end up a- accounting for much. Yeah. So you're saying he's a common. He is the epitome of a common. He is yeah. not sporting a mustache and you have finished your uh, pack at 19 cents. Uh, maybe in trouble again. That's that's you pretty beat. That's pretty beatable. But we'll see. Yeah. We'll see yeah. what we've got with my pack here. You sir have been in fuego. Now I've been reading uh, as I've watched some uh, other unpackings on on YouTube about uh, wax packs in particular that people go in and they open them and they take the cards out and put other ones in there that aren't as good and then re you know reseal the wax and sell them. And I've noticed that a lot of these wax packs are very, very, they're not even sticking together in the back. So I'm wondering <laughs> if that might account for some of our crappy cards. Mm. Well, you know, they can't reseal the score ones. Well, that was why score was was a big deal when they came out, because they you couldn't tamper with them. Right. You could see what the cards were. Oh, this might be a good sign. I just pulled another intact stick of... 1991 grade bubblegum. Oh man, is it in mint condition? It is. That's a that is a that's a very highly graded card uh, piece you're, of gum. You're supposed to say no, Mark. It's flavored like bubblegum, not mint. Well, I'm not going to taste it to find out. <laughs> All right, so there's my my junk card. Oh, here's one of we were just talking about him before we started the show. At this point, he's a catcher for the New York Yankees, Matt Noakes. Matt Noakes, uh, was he a switch hitter? For some reason, I think. He is batting that. left here. And uh, throw. No, he's just a straight up left-handed, one of those left-handed hitting catchers that we like to talk about. That must be why I, I remember him, because I'm i a big fan of the left-handed hitting Yeah, catcher. I know you are. But uh, <laughs> no mustache and no value. Uh, next, we've got Melito Perez, and he's got that sweet Jerry curl going on. Oh, nice. Does have a mustache. Harry's pitching for the White Sox. Yeah, he was a White Sox uh, pitcher. I remember him a little bit because of the interesting name, Melito. Yeah, so Melito is uh, sporting a mustache, but that is the only value I get off of him. Uh, I remember this guy quite a what, quite a bit, uh, just mainly because of his name, Chet Lemon, outfielder for the Tigers. Chet Bitter Lemon, yes, I remember him. Wow, he mustache? played... Uh, he's got, yeah, he's got a kind of a, a goatee going on, but we're, we're counting that. He was a rookie in 1975. Oh, my. He played for a long time. Uh, he, he was is, an all-around pretty good hitter, is is what I remember about him. You know, he, I don't know if he hit 300 lifetime, but I guarantee you he didn't hit no 220. Uh, he hit 300 two years. There you go. Uh, lifetime of 273. Uh, did have some power. Slugging a 442 for his lifetime. Uh, nice. But that is only worth one cent for the mustache. Here we go. Here's somebody that I've got plenty of rookie cards uh, of. For the uh, New York Mets, Mr. Greg Jeffries. Greg Jeffries, the, the <laughs> ultimate card in 1988. You bought <laughs> Donruss packs to try and land this up-and-coming star, Greg Jeffries, who ended up not being a superstar, but had a pretty darn good career. Yeah, he had a good, long career. I remember he went on with the with the, with the Cardinals as well, and he had huge forearms. He did. Yeah. I remember he, he used to, in the offseason, he would take a bat in a swimming pool and just swing underwater, and that helped him build up his strength. That's a lot of resistance. That makes sense. That is worth two cents. Now, this card's probably not going to be worth anything, but it is my favorite catcher of all time. 
somebody that you have had dinner with, and uh, I know who you're talking about. Minnesota native, yes, Mister Terry Seinbach. One of my favorite catchers of all time, without question. Cool guy. Uh, so yeah, that card is not worth anything. Uh, he never sported a mustache, but gosh darn it, Terry Seinbach, you're one of my favorites. He's a legend. Next, we got pitcher for the Chicago White Sox, Barry Jones. Barry Jones. I remember the name, but oh. don't remember anything about him. He's a common, but he does have a mustache. There you go. Got a point there, man. Here we go. Another member of the uh, Oakland Athletics, uh, recently named the bench coach for Joe Madden uh, in the Angels, uh, Mike Lego Mike Gallego. Mike Gallego. Let go, Gallego. Uh, that is a common. The Ricky Henderson card in this set is only worth five cents. So I don't think we we don't have much value coming up. There may be a few of them out there. <clears throat> Mike Gallego not sporting a mustache in this picture. Here we go. This is a sideways card. You've got to turn it sideways to see it. Mike Jeffcoat, lefty for the Rangers. Now, I remember I remember him pitching against the Mariners, but I don't remember a whole lot about him. I don't even know if he was a lefty or righty or whatever. Uh, he's a lefty. I remember the name because it had Jeff in it. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, no mustache, no value. Uh, we've spoken about this guy before, and this is a oh, this is a good card. Jose Uribe, shortstop for the Giants. Yeah, now, absolutely. This is a great card because he is playing defense. It's at Wrigley Field, and sliding in to try to break up a double play is Mr. Ryan Sandberg. Oh, that is a great card. That is a good-looking card right there. Uh, probably not worth anything. Nope. And I can't tell if one Uribe's got a mustache or not, but that is a, that is the best-looking card we've seen today because of Rhino right there. Oh, boy, here we go. Tom Candiotti, knuckleballer for the Cleveland Indians. Tom Cotton Candiotti. Now, Very nice. I believe he was in Moneyball. I think he might have been on the A's at that point, or he played somebody on another team. But I, I believe he did some acting in some baseball movies where they needed some guys. Yeah, I, I know he played for the A's a couple seasons. I remember him. Mostly as a Dodger. Yeah, I, I think that's probably where I remember him most as well. But no mustache, no value. But he had a long, well, he's a knuckleballer, so he was around yeah, forever. He threw forever. Oh, now this card, okay, now this is very topical too. Outfielder for this San Diego Padres legend, Joe Carter. Oh, uh, yes, back with the Padres back then. Yeah, I mean, this had to be right before he was traded uh, to the, uh, to the uh, Blue Jays. Joe Carter, one of the most clutch home runs of all time. With Ricky Henderson on second base. So Joe Carter is worth three cents. He has a thin mustache. I think that's a mustache that I see on him. I'm going yeah, to call Carter that because he usually had a mustache. So that's a two-cent card plus the mustache is three cents. You know, uh, Joe Carter uh, almost hit 400 home runs. He was four short. Oh, so. Awesome, dude. Now, I, I want to talk about this card because this is when the Padres were wearing their brown uniforms. And the Padres just unveiled their new brown uniforms for next year. And yeah. I was excited because I love the browns, but they, they're using the pinstripes. And I had a hard time remembering what the old pinstripes look like, but here it is. And it looks very similar to what they'll be wearing next year. Look out huh. for those those pinstripes coming back. Uh, next, I've got uh, four cards left. 
We've got outfielder for the New York Mets, Daryl Boston. He, yeah, I remember Daryl Boston. Yeah, I, I do too. He's sporting a mustache, but that is the only value I will get out of that. I am at nine cents with three cards left to go. Oh, man. Can I hold the lead? <laughs> Next, we've got uh, left-handed pitcher for the Cardinals, Joe McGrain. Remember that name? Yeah, I remember Joe McGrain. Card is not worth anything, and I don't believe Joe's got a mustache. Nope. Boy, I, I swear we talk about this guy almost every single uh, Wax Packs Heroes. The man with the cannon from right field, Jesse Barfield. Oh, one of my all-time favorites. Gotta love Jesse. Now, here he is in a Yankees uniform here. And, you know, I know we we like to make fun of the Yankees. But I think the their pinstripe uniforms, and especially for some reason, even though theoretically they're not any different, in the 80s and 90s, I thought their uniforms just, they look better than they do today. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm going to agree with you. It's a good-looking car. This is a this is the way a baseball player should be, should look in a uniform. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So let's see, 85, that is not worth anything. He does have a mustache as usual. So I've got one cent. Now, unless this last card is worth nine or 10 cents, which I I, I doubt it's going to be, you're going to win tough. this. But it is Teddy Hagera. Oh, yeah, I remember Teddy Hagera. Now, I want to say Teddy Hagera has thrown a no-hitter. <laughs> I don't know, you know why. That sounds, that sounds familiar. I mean, I remember um, he's a brewer, right? Correct. And a lefty. Correct. Uh, I can tell you he is not worth anything and he has no mustache. So I have ended my run with a 10 cent total. I, I think maybe I know he was a bat, uh, pitching coach and it might have might have been with the Brewers. I'm not, I'm not sure who it was, but... Uh. That, uh, so that wraps it up. So uh, you come away with the win. I'm just looking through our cards here, putting the best ones. Your Eddie Murray, I think, is the one that really put you over the top. I got the two best-looking cards with the Juan Uribe with, with Rhino sliding and the Jesse Barfield, but you got the most value. So looking at the yeah. final score, you came up with a total of 19. I came up with a total of 10. By the way, I found it. Uh, Teddy Higuera did throw a no-hitter in 1987. Ah, look at that. Well, there you have it. So the final score with, with that victory, you have uh, inched closer to me right now. The final uh, tally reads Jeff 8, Mark 7. So we're battling it out. Uh, it's going to be an annual <laughs> thing, right? Uh, I think we're just going to keep going probably. 162. A... 162. Okay. Wow. That's going to, we better hope we stay on uh, on the air for that long. <laughs> so that'll do it for another edition of Wax Packs Heroes. Uh, I'd like to remind you that we are on social media. If you want to follow us, you can find us both on Twitter and Instagram at Two Strike Noise. That is at T-W-O Strike Noise. Uh, I post some of the cards uh, that we uh, that we pull on there as well as some other stuff about things we've talked about this week and things we just find uh, about baseball that uh, we find entertaining. Uh, I also uh, will post when the uh, Wax Packs Heroes will be up on YouTube because that takes me a little bit longer to edit those, but uh, you can follow through and, and listen to Wax Packs Heroes again and see these cards, see this beautiful Juan Uribe and, and Ryan Sandberg and Jesse Barfield and his nice pinstripes. Uh, you can see that on YouTube just uh, if you want to do a search for uh, Two Strike Noise Podcast or Wax Packs Heroes. You can find it there. Mark, this was a lot of fun. 
Uh, what do you say we keep it up and do another show next week? I think it's got more chance that we're going to do that than the chances of getting a two-out triple, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> or a two-out <laughs> triple, triple play. play. Yeah, yeah, either or. Uh, all right, well, then uh, that'll do it for another uh, edition. Thank you very much for joining us, and we will see you on another edition of Two Strike Noise. Thank you all. God bless you. Have a great day. <laughs>